Yo. Hi. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. In fact, I'm excellent. I'm excellent. That, wow. Wow. That's a big, that's a big player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm ready for this, man. I'm ready for this today. I feel like. Go on. I feel like you've got plans in place to make this not go my way. No, no, That's no, just no. Like, no, 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 Don't be, don't be, don't be shocked. You'll be fine. You'll be also, fine. have you got a mustache now? Is that a thing now? Uh, it's not a thing now. Why? Would you got a problem with it if I did? I mean, I'm just observing. I'd like, no comment either way. I'm just like, what is it? <laughs> 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 no comment either way. Okay. Okay. Nice. Right. So we're rolling. Yeah. You ready? Yeah, good. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to come in hot, yeah? Let's, um, let me start by saying, okay, so my name's Naden, but today the host or the the person to introduce today's show is going to be Yudi. So Yudi, please, let's go. Fire away. Hi. Who are you? I'm Yudi. And, I'm and the person you just spoke about. And what are people listening to? The Kickback Podcast with Naden. Correct. And do we have social media? Yes. And it is? Kickback underscore Naden. Oh, just that. That's it. Okay, cool. Nothing else. Is that on Facebook? Is I that? Is it, I don't I, know. Is that on TikTok? Like, where is that? I nailed that. Oh, oh, Instagram and um, <laughs> Twitter. Twitter. Instagram and on Twitter. Yes, 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 yes. And since it's a podcast, people should do what? Um, hold on. Subscribe. Subscribe is correct. Yes. 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 I nailed that. Yes. Been for, revising. Yeah, for real. This is good. It's taken six weeks, but this is good. Six whole weeks. But it's good. See, I'm... I'm a fast learner. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And also, is there a music playlist or anything like that? Yes, on, on Spotify. And uh, how do people get to that? Link is in the description. <laughs> no, it's in the show <laughs> no, notes. <laughs> they always say the description. When I watch the, the, on the YouTube, they say the description. I'm yeah, sorry, okay, I'm, yeah, yeah. This I'm isn't YouTube. That. Just in case you, okay. you weren't sure of which platform you're on, this is not YouTube. Right. So yeah, anyway, yeah. that's my cousin, Yudi, guys. My name's Nadem. This is Kickback with Nadem. Welcome to the show. As he said, our social media is on Instagram and on Twitter, and it, the handle is kickback underscore Nadem. Please subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on any content. And there is a music playlist for people who are that way inclined, and that can be found in the show notes. Not in the description, in the show notes. So yeah, Yudi, you're a serious potter now because you've got an audio recorder, haven't you? So you're taking the, the, the audio levels to a whole new place. Is that correct? I didn't want to be the one to say it, but yeah, I'm, I've stepped my pod game up. So <laughs> we're out here now. All right, cool. Well, for now, people aren't exactly harming you on social, so credit to you, credit to you. We, we keep it rolling, we keep it rolling. I'm happy for you, I'm happy for you. I think I'll be a bit more concerned when you start planning episodes and doing content now. But for now, this is all right. Baby steps, baby steps. Teeny tiny, teeny tiny steps. <laughs> so how's your week been anyway? You know, it's, it's been good. Been good. Been, had some ups and downs. Work's not been the easiest, but I get to spend time with the wonderful people at the Kickback, the Maiden podcast. So it's all good. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Tabby then. Why well, you might as well shout out your fiance now? You got to think about it. Oh, shout out Tabby. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. But anyway, let me, let me get something off my chest. To all the people listening, I've got to say, as soon as the microphones stop, UD gets quite rude and he's been giving it massive, giving it all sorts because he's had so much success in terms of guessing who the guest is going to be. And to be honest, I'm not annoyed yet, but I'm getting there because what he didn't realize was that I could make it now impossible for him to get it right. 
But instead, I, I make it so that he sounds like a hero because he's, if he's to be the voice of the people, we want the people to win. But at some point, I'm just going to have to cut this and make it impossible for you. So do you want to say anything about that? Did I tell any lies? All I heard when you were speaking was when you called me the voice of the people. Everything else was just noise. So. <laughs> okay, cool. And this is the problem. This is the problem. This is what I'm up against. Okay, cool. Right. So this week then, <sighs> to be fair now, maybe not this week. I might let you off this week, but the pe- people, please let me know if you think I should be harder on him. And also let me know if you were to, if you think you'd be able to guess who the guest is going to be based on the clues that I'm about to give. And for those who are brand new here, I'm going to give him three clues. He's going to get one question and he's going to get one guess. And if he gets it right, I will give 100 pounds to a charity of his choice. And this week, that charity is? This week, that charity. Can I, can I do one I've done before? Yeah, is absolutely. That- yeah, absolutely. Okay. So again, I'm going to go with the Salmon Youth Center in Birmingham. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That's, that's perfect. That's perfect. Hopefully you can get some more money for them, but it could be a bit sticky for you this week. So you ready? Uh, I, I think so. All right, clue number one. He won a World Cup and a European Championship back-to-back. Yeah? Right. That's clue number one. Clue so number, Spanish. Clue number two. French. Rude Hullet was his idol. Yeah? That's a clue. Okay. <laughs> Listen, if you know, you know. That's a clue. Yeah? And here's right. the big clue. This is the make or break clue. Yeah? He appeared in an Oscar-nominated film. Mm. Right. So those are your three clues. So think, think on about this question, okay? Think about it. Right. Um, I think... So this is the problem, right? Like... No, you're the problem. You, you're the problem. You I knew you were going to make it hard. I knew you were going to make hey, it hard. Hey, right, hey, so. hey. It's only hard if you don't know the answer. Um, I think they're French. Okay, carry they're on. Either French or Spanish. Carry on. I've, I've got an idea in my head. Okay. Um, have you played with them? That's my question. Uh, are you sure you want that to be a question? Okay. Are you sure you want okay. that to be a question? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, let me think on this. Right. What nationality are they? Or okay. what international team do they play for? Are you sure you want that to be your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my question. Okay, France. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. I think I know who it is, but uh, I've only got that one question as well, right? So yeah, I can't a... ask another one. No more questions, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, come on. So, second clue was what? Rude Hullet. Was his idol, yes. <laughs> okay, I've got an idea of who I think it might be. Go on then. What happens if I guess once and I get it wrong, but then I guess the second time and I get it right? It, nobody, nobody said anything's going on with second guesses. <laughs> That's the thing. I said I gave you one guess. All right, so I only get one guess. Can I talk you through my thought process? I'm caught between two players. I'm caught between Patrick Vieira. Mm. Mm. But only the only other what's throwing me is I know a player who was French mm. who, who appeared in a film and it wasn't Patrick Vieira. Mm-hmm. That was Frank LeBeouf. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm torn. Mm-hmm. But I think like 
I'm going to watch Patrick Vieira, but it's the film clue. It's throwing me. All right. Um, I'll go Frank LeBeuf for the people. The oh, people. he's got go it right Frank again. LeBeuf. He's got it right again. <laughs> he's got it right again. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. For the people. It's for the people. For the record, I wanted the people to win, which is why I threw in the, ask, the, the acting clue. Just so you know, yeah? Just so you know. That's the energy yeah. I give to the people, yeah? The people appreciate you. Yeah, so congratulations. You've done it again. I'll listen to the feedback of everybody that's listening. And if you want me to make it tougher, I'll make it tougher. If you want it to be easier, I'll ignore that. But anyway, as soon as you say it's going to be tougher, I'll make it tougher. But for now, thank you again, UD. And listeners, please sit back as we head over to maybe somewhere in the south of France to a very big house, I'm sure, and enjoy our conversation with the man that is Frank Leboeuf. Uh, bonjour, Frank. Bonjour, ça va? Ça va bien et toi? Ça va, très bien. Uh, sorry about my French. It's only going to get worse as well. Do you understand? <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, yeah all I apologize. Right. Can you hear me? Yeah? Can you hear me well? I hear, I hear you very well. I okay. You and you? No problem? Yeah, perfect. 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 So if you're ready, may I please have your story? I have so many questions. Yeah, well, go, go on, you know? Okay. Okay. So you are a player who rose to become a World Cup winner. But surely not many World Cup winners started at a place like Laval or Lavalois. Is that how you say it? Uh, well, uh, from Laval, yeah. I'm, I'm from, I, I was a Lavalois, but I played in Laval, yeah. Okay, so most people that are listening don't even know which league that team's in. So which league was that back then? It was the, the Ligue 1 at the time. They were in the Ligue, in Ligue 1 for the first year. And I, I didn't play a lot. I played like six, the last five months, but it was already... Almost over, you know. We're ready to go down, so we. I played in the second division in a championship, as you would say in a, in a, in England. So, is that the level that you deserve to start at, or did you think you could have been playing higher when you began your career? Well, you know, uh, I think there is a process of learning that you have to go through, and uh, I, um, I I chose to go there because I had uh, some other clubs, but I should I, I chose to go there because I I really thought that I could play. In Ligue 1, and very quickly, um, they were giving chances to young players and and youth, and uh, it's why I chose to, to go there because I I knew that uh, you know in big clubs like nowadays you can see um, there is not too many rooms for for young players, so I think it's a it was a good opportunity, and I think I think it's still a good opportunity to pick clubs who give chances. Okay, and how about? Um... From there, then you went to Strasbourg. Was that your decision, or did they choose you? Uh, they chose me. I'm, in fact, I'm, I played two and a half years for Laval. Then I was about to sign for Paris Saint Germain. Okay. Uh, the former chairman, Mr. Borelli, wanted me to to sign, and uh, in fact, it didn't happen. And they and they picked uh, Anton Cambouare, a fantastic uh, uh, French player. Uh, we did so great against Real Madrid in the Champions League for 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 them. So I, w- I was very disappointed, and I say, um, and I got sick. I have to say, I lost like four kilos. You know, mm-hmm. I, my stomach didn't accept this, the the verdict, and uh, and I, in fact, I I when my agent came and said two weeks after, he said, "Well, I have Strasbourg. I didn't want to go." And they were also in the, in in championship in the, in France, uh, but they they came, they seduced me, and uh, and I said, "Okay, go for it." And the stadium was absolutely fantastic. It was a new stadium for, uh, and uh, and all the facilities were great. The ambition were there. Uh, the 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 coach was Leonard Spech, a former international French player, and he loved me and he showed his love for me. And um, 
uh, I, I took the challenge and it worked immediately there. And um, and a year and a half after we 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 uh, we went up and uh, we went to um, to the the league one, and uh, so it, I, I spent like five and a, five and a half years there. Okay, so if you spend if you're the king of Strasbourg essentially, and the fans love you, the training facilities great. Why did you leave? You're a Frenchman playing for a team in France, and you're the king. So why leave? Uh, why, why did I leave? I left because I had some problems with some players. I was the captain of the team and the coach got sacked in the middle of the year of the season. And, uh, I was his kind of his protege. And I was, uh, I was also, um, really the captain of the, of the young players, not too much the players of my age. And, uh, so we had a session, uh, and, and really the dressing room split in two. And, uh, I had some problems in Strasbourg and, uh, after five and a half years, I think she goes you go. You arrive at the end of a cycle, and uh, I decided to, uh, in fact, to to see if I could go somewhere else, uh, something with a, a better challenge where I could play Europe. I played with Strasbourg in Europe. I was international already when I was at Strasbourg, uh, but I wanted something more. And you know, uh, it we were in '96, and we uh, had the chance to to see uh, the Bosman Law being accepted. Uh, meaning that uh, everybody could travel everywhere and uh, all foreigners could play anywhere they wanted to. And when when you receive a phone call from Ruth Gullit saying mm. that he wants you desperately, how come you can say no to a Ballon d'Or, to, a, <laughs> I mean, a legend of our football? And, and the guys say to me on top of it, well, I wasn't speaking very much English, uh, very well English, uh, as you can see again still. Uh, but um, uh, Gramrix was translated for me what Rudgulis was saying, because Rod Gramrix was uh, played in France uh, at some point. And he said he was so happy, Rud was so happy that you ne- never played, didn't play even a second for during the European Championship in England, because nobody can see your, uh, your quality. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to play for Chelsea and you're going to show to the world uh, uh, what you're worth. And I say, well, is he talking about me or is he talking about somebody else? I don't really, really. And, uh, and you know, I, when I saw him, he, he hugged me and he said, hey, lovely boy, you know, I'm so happy to see you. Where nobody knew me. I, was, I wasn't Arsene who, but I was Frank who, you know, mm-hmm. at Chelsea. And, but you cannot, say, you cannot say no to Groot Gullit when he wants you. And, and on top of it, the wage was quite good you know when you come to England it's always better <laughs> yeah well yeah that, that is true that is true so when you were in France then before you actually went to Chelsea did you actually have ambitions to go and play in England or was it just timing that meant that you went to England at that point it, it was both in a way because um, at the time we couldn't really follow f- football uh, uh, overseas and the only thing we could see it was European campaigns or uh, or World Cups or European Championships but uh, but but we had a chance also to see the FA Cup final for example and I saw Cantona uh, winning against Wim. Uh, now I don't remember which was the, the last second that he uh, that he scored. Um, help me out. Was was, it the, no, it wasn't Liverpool. Was, yeah, it wasn't it was, Liverpool. It was Liverpool, maybe. It was, yeah, Liverpool. It was, it was Liverpool. Yeah, and uh, so we saw those kind of things. And even when I was younger, I was seeing every year the FA Cup, and I say, "Wow, what an atmosphere! It's absolutely fantastic." Uh, uh, I was a friend of DJ Six, who played for Aston Villa, I think, and uh, and, he, and and he was the French first guy to to go there. Uh, the first French guy, sorry, to go there. And, and he said, you know, Frank, if you want to have something special, go to England, where 
the fashion was to go to Italy or Spain mm -hmm. at the time. And you know what? On top of it, I wanted to, to learn English. I think it's going to be for me fantastic to learn English and be able to travel around the world to, 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 to speak to, with everybody because I speak English. Mm. And that, that became an opportunity. And Chelsea wanted to build something. So I said, okay, I almost went to Marseille and it didn't happen. I had two clubs in Italy, one club in Spain. And, but when Chelsea came out, uh, uh, again, I couldn't say no to regulate, but I think it was the opportunity. Chelsea was completely unknown. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the truth. I did, and I never been to England before uh, I signed for Chelsea. I didn't know where was Chelsea. <laughs> I didn't know it was an area in in London. Yeah. No clue. I had to check on internet, you know, but in 96, to, <laughs> it wasn't the same internet. Mm -hmm. I had to find out what, what the club was. That's, you know, that's crazy. And, uh, I knew it was. Yeah, that's crazy. But that, I love that, though. That's I love that crazy. because, you know, you came for different reasons. There's obviously the English the reality of the fact the league was being able to afford players more, the Bosman situation, you know, Rude Hullet. Like to hear somebody like you, who's an icon, talk about how an icon spoke to him and you had to go for an icon. It's like, he's blowing my mind a little bit because I, I thought you two were, were the same sort of time, but like that's not the case, is it? So Well, not, that, that's, that's my issue about my career and about football, where I've got idols, Platini, Johan Cruyff, uh, Beckenbauer, um, uh, Ruth Gullit uh, 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 and some and some others, and I did I, I did better than my idols. That's mm. an issue from it. That's a problem. Mm. I don't put myself in a in another uh, in another level. Mm -hmm. I'm not Zidane. I'm not Jokerf. I'm not Platini. I'm not Cruyff, of course. But I'm World Cup champion, so that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good enough for everybody, I think. <laughs> yeah. So what exactly was the English league like when you first joined? Because I think a lot of people, they pay attention to the league now. But from back then, they couldn't really remember. I can't remember the details. So what was it like to play in? Comparing to nowadays, I would say that that was tougher. Uh, we had to play against uh, the crazy gang, Wimbledon. Mm. Uh, the, the field where the real field of uh, in England, where the grass is absolutely fantastic until you reach December, mm -hmm. and it becomes oh sorry, that's my cat. <laughs> it becomes a, a, a mud, a real mud everywhere, and uh, where you forget about the grass, and you know you will see the grass again in uh, in March, April, mm -hmm. if everything goes right. Except if you play at Wimbledon, uh, Wembley, sorry, at Wembley, where you, you have the, the, the fantastic grass. But otherwise, uh, it, was, it was like football has different rules in, uh, in, in Great Britain, mm -hmm. in, uh, in England, where referees let you do, as a for a defender, almost everything you want to do. Mm -hmm. But don't forget that the striker can punch you in the face and I won't say anything and I will say play on. <laughs> now, don't forget that the, the captain of England, uh, um, Adams, can push the striker and nobody's going to say anything. Uh -huh. And he's going to work also for Alan Shearer after mm -hmm. that. That's what, that was England. That was craziness of England. And, uh, and I felt, in fact, I felt that football was created in your country. Mm -hmm. That's what it is for me. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. You feel when you come at Wembley, when you go through the tunnel and you go there and I still have, you know, the goosebumps, goosebumps yeah. you know, when I talk about it, mm. because 
you feel the creation of football. Mm. And the, everything started from there. So they have the right to change everything or to, to, to make a statement about everything because they created it. Mm -hmm. And you have to accept it as a foreigner. If you're not happy, go back to France. But if you're happy, if you want to do that, you will have to start to change, to change some stuff like being tougher, mm -hmm. not complaining, mm -hmm. not pushing the ref. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, that's what it is. That's yeah. what it is. But that was, that was fun. That was really fun. I love that. I love that. So the Chelsea team you ended up being a part of was very talented and was very successful. I think you essentially won everything except for the league. But before I talk about the league, mm -hmm. what made you so good then in that time? I guess the experience of all the players from abroad. Uh, we had um, mainly Dennis Wise uh, as an English player, mm -hmm. uh, and Graham Lusso came join us. Uh, John Terry was a very young player, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and and that's it. And we had Jody Morris uh, and some other players like Nichols and everything. But must I think we are? We were seventeen different nationalities, okay. um, and that, that was crazy. Uh, from Dimitri Karin, the Russian, to Marcus, the Welsh, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, Craig Burley, that we work yeah. uh, happily with. Mm -hmm. um, um, but you had uh, Dan Petrescu, the Romanian, uh, and you had the Italian legend with Viali, Zola, Di Matteo. Um, Rude was there, and I had the chance to, uh, to play alongside him in the central defense for, for almost a season. Uh, Steve Clark, the Scottish. So a mix of everything with very... Um, experienced player, willing to play together, that's the thing, and willing to change something at the club. The club was very um, unknown in the world because they didn't win anything for like uh, 25 years, something like that. And uh, we wanted to change that. And we wanted to create a, a, a very special spirit not forgetting we are we were in England that okay we could have a sexy football mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, like a, a rude uh, like to uh, like to to say it but at the same time being able to to beat every team if we had to to play a little bit tougher mm -hmm. is what we did against Wimbledon in a, in a, in a semi final at Highbury uh, of the FA Cup so we we weren't able to win the league because we didn't have everything. We need it. For example, Arsenal, they had, on top of many French players, they had the, the vertebral column of, uh, of England, mm -hmm. for example. You know, Ma uh, uh, um, I forgot the, the goalkeeper. Help David me out. Um, uh, David, 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 fantastic David Seaman at goal. But they had Adam Skion at the back with all the, 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 the wing back as well, you know, and they are players in the, in the, in the midfield. They were, they were very strong, very strong. And it's why they became the, the best team in, uh, in England with Manchester United and the fantastic uh, uh, squad that they had. We weren't able to, to cope with them. Um, we did it in 99 when we finished third, I think, in the league, losing only three games a season. But... I think we needed to go to another step, and mm -hmm. Abramovich brought that step. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I was I was there. I wasn't there anymore with so many others. But I think we we created the foundation, the basics, the, the foundation of uh, of the new Chelsea and the Chelsea we can see now. Mm, for sure, I can definitely see that. I remember watching that Chelsea in the late nineteen in the late nineties, early two thousands, and there was something different about that team. Like as you say, it wasn't Arsenal mm -hmm. who were turning into something. 
but very, very quickly. But it felt like it was something that was different based on what traditional English football was. So for you then, the, yeah. the man that started at Laval, did you feel like a star within that team or were you the equivalent of like a Claude Makélélé and you were essentially the water carrier? Uh, no, it, 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 it really amazed me the way that uh, I've been adopted by the, um, the Chelsea fans. Uh, I had a song very quickly. Um, we started very well, very well the first season when I scored goals and on top of it, we were the best defense. So I became a star in England before being a star in France. Mm. When I left France, I was a nun. I was in a national team, but I was well, okay. It was more Laurent Blanc or Marcel Desailly. But um, when I came to, to England, I realized that I became a star in England and after in the world before becoming a star in, uh, in mm. France, even, even, even if I don't like the, the word the star. star. Yeah. But yeah. It, was, it was really something special for the fan. For the for for myself, with the fans, and it's still there. When I go there, and when I'm on social media, and people they call me legend. I never had a French guy calling me legend in uh, in France. I swear to God, never, not no, no, never. I played in Laval, Strasbourg, Marseille. I had nobody calling me legend. It's only Chelsea fans who call me legend, and I'm so flattered. I don't know if I deserve it, but I take it. I tell you, I take it yeah, because it, it was a fantastic. It was fantastic five years where uh, everything went well mm -hmm. everything went well from the first year for the from the first game from the we had we had this the i think the first game we played at home uh roberto di matteo scored a fantastic goal against middlesbrough we won one nil at almost the last minute and we took that picture when we were all in a like that yeah, situation dressing, yeah. it became the the picture of the year whatever i mean everything went perfect mm -hmm. and uh and, and, and we won the FA Cup the first year. Then we won the, the European Cup, the League Cup, the European Super Cup. I mean, it, the the club changed yeah. in a, in a, in a, in, a, in a year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. So looking back then and comparing it to now, obviously football is very very different now. But for the style of play yeah. that you had and the style that you wanted to have, do you think that era was the best time for you to play, or do you think you could have played better in a later era? Uh, I think I will be even more star nowadays because <laughs> I, I, I wasn't the best defender in the world. Uh -huh. uh, definitely not the tougher, uh, tougher story defender in the world. But I had uh, I could play with the ball mm -hmm. and uh, I create a little bit of uh, bitterness and jealousy from uh, some uh, domestic players when mm -hmm. I came because people were saying journalists were saying, "Oh wow, finally we found somebody who can play with the ball <laughs> as a back at the, at the back." Uh, and nowadays, you can see that the players, they know how to play with the ball, mm -hmm. but they don't know how to defend. Yeah. And, it's, uh, and, and we know it's crucial. We know that we, with John Terry, we saw that. We saw that with uh, Vincent Company and mm -hmm. so many others. But we, uh, we, let, let's talk about your former club. Uh, having Ruben Diaz change the, the yeah. way they play and, and the result that they got. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's crucial. And Ruben just knows how to play, but he knows how to defend. Yeah. And that's makes, that makes a huge difference. So I think it was perfect for me. I, and I don't regret anything, but I think with what I see right now, it would have been even easier for me, I guess. <laughs> okay. I like it. I like it. Um, so it's fair to say then during the time you were at Chelsea for as much as there was Arsenal, there was also Manchester United. And 
I think yeah. now when we work on ESPN, we talk about United and so on. But say to go back then, what was it about that period that made them so successful? Because in my mind now, we talk a lot about strategy, formations, tactics, this and the other. But if I was to watch a game from United in the late 90s, I don't know what I'd be expecting to see. Like what made them so good in that time? Uh a little bit of everything because uh, don't forget that most of most of players that we we saw became stars mm-hmm. uh, come from the academy mm. uh, but on top of it you have experienced players like uh, uh Pallister, um uh, Steve Bruce yeah. uh but you also uh Keen in the middle of the of the park and the two fantastic uh, Dwight York and uh, and Cole and the Cole and everywhere in every position they had fantastic players and on the to- on top of that they had on the bench they had a fantastic Ole Gunnar Solskjaer mm-hmm. <laughs> who could score goals from everywhere um and 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 they had somebody special they had Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson I mean that guys felt football he was uh, breathing eating drinking football and mm-hmm. he was giving it to the players I mean the, I don't know I think you need to to have everything in order to win something of course, the experience, the feeling, but you need the luck as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and um, I, I've been fortunate in my life, and I'm pretty sure that Mr. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson has been fortunate. Well, we, in fact, we went one day. I was in Monte Carlo in the casino, and uh, how do you say the guy would uh, give the the cards, the croupier? Yeah, yeah, the croupier, yeah. You say mm-hmm. the croupier said well, after an hour that was. Uh, I was uh, seated there. He said, you know what? I'm so happy that the two of you are seated there. I said, the two of who? I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my own. He said, no, Mr. Sir Alex Ferguson and yourself. I was playing with Sir Alex Ferguson. I was playing blackjack mm. for an hour. I didn't see him. <laughs> and he didn't see me. <laughs> and, we, and we were sitting next to each other. Oh, and that's I terrific. Said, oh, sir, how are you doing? And I was, we had a, his wife came after and we had a fantastic evening. I mean, that guy had everything, and that guy, and we saw the difference when he left. Yeah. He, yeah, he knew football. He knew exactly which player he had to play. Remember the the thing that he had with David Beckham when he had some problem with David, and he and he said, uh, he, and 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 they were confronting a lot. I think I'm sure he loved him, but he wanted to teach. He wanted to mm-hmm. teach him something. He was perfect. I mean, on top of it, players. Do you know the water carrier they were talking about? Mm-hmm. Keen, Scholes. Come on. Yeah. Wow. Everybody wants that in the middle of the park. Yeah. Because yeah. you know you can go to the war. You know you can go to the war with those players. Yeah, for sure. So you talk about your time in Chelsea. You're basically a king. You're a superstar, not in France, but in England. So why do you leave England yeah. and go back to France? Uh, for two reasons. Or three. I was fed up with the rain <laughs> okay that's <laughs> but, fair. You, but that, that's the only that's the life reason uh um the heavy one is that my father was um um was having a cancer and uh and and, and he died in 2004 from cancer mm-hmm. and so i wanted to get a little bit closer from him because i spent my or say my grown-ups time away from from my parents uh-huh. uh, starting from 18 to uh, to when I left Chelsea 32 so I wanted to go back there and uh, and the World Cup in 2002 uh, was upon us and uh, and uh, and in fact uh, uh, Mr. Ranieri wanted to give uh, John Terry more 
uh, times on the field. Mm -hmm. And I was playing with Marcel, but I was feeling my my performances weren't that as good as uh, they were they were before. And it was maybe a time for me, like you know, where I was talking about the cycle. It was maybe a time for me to to leave if I wanted to be in, involved in the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Really, it's a regret. Now it's a regret. Okay. I think I should have stayed at Chelsea and uh, play maybe as a substitute, accept the fact that maybe I wouldn't go to the World Cup, uh, but uh, um, that I would stay until the end of my career at Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, yeah, I feel that uh, I should have stayed. That's mm -hmm. my, my feeling. But that's why I left okay. for those reasons. So you didn't have many good moments then at Marseille, are you saying? Is that right? I, I spent two years where it's funny that I had the press conference and I signed and I say, you know what? I was born in Marseille. Marseille has been a very big club. They're struggling right now. They, they finished almost uh, the last seat before relegation, the two years before I signed. Mm -hmm. And I said, I want to put uh, Marseille back uh, into Champions League. And the, the journalists all laughed about what I said. And uh, two years after, we finish uh, second or third and qualify for the Champions League. And therefore, I left. And I said, thank you. I've done my job. Bye-bye. <laughs> but it was a hard time. It was a hard time. It's, uh, you know, I easily um, embrace the Anglo-Saxon way of style. Um, and even if I was born in Marseille, I have a hard time with the Latin education and, uh, and the Latin big mess mm -hmm. everywhere around. And... Um, my father taught me mostly a German education where everything is strict, where everything is clean, mm -hmm. where it's a yes or it's a no, and it's not a maybe. Yeah. And in Marseille, it's always, yeah, let's see, where maybe, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and I, uh, it was hard. The fans were fantastic with me, nothing to complain about, but you couldn't lose one game. You you felt in danger every time you lost the game, you know. Mm -hmm. that, that, that that's not the that's not the way I see football. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because at the end of the day, even though you do represent the people of that town, that city, or whatever, it is just football, and that's that's tough for a yeah. lot of people to accept because they, you know, from the outside, they are willing their team. They feel like their team represents them one hundred percent, and they're going to war with PSG, but. At the end of the day, yeah. it's for three points. It's for more. It's not for what they feel it's like, you know. And that's exactly that's a tough situation. But I won't talk too much that's about the time Marseille then. But you ended up finishing <laughs> okay. your career in Qatar. Is that how you wanted to finish? Um, yeah, yeah, because I, um, I think I needed to go slowly but surely to um, to um, accepting the fact that um, there is a time for everything and maybe it was a time to retire. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't ready at 30, I was 35 when I left Marseille to immediately stop for the, from the top level mm -hmm. uh, to nothing. Uh, I would have loved to go to the US, but I didn't have that opportunity. I didn't have that one. And I, I was in fact fed up traveling. Yeah. And in Qatar, it, it's, it's absolutely fantastic that you, it's only one city or the next city is next to each other. They are like five miles away from each other. So you have no hotel uh, before the game, no uh, journey to mm -hmm. go to, uh, to another stadium. Um, and 
and it was fun because Romario came before me and I was the first French guy to go there, but I was followed by uh, so many fantastic players. Uh, Guardiola, that mm -hmm. signed the same year, uh, Gabriel Batistuta, uh, Fernando Hierro, the Debu brothers, um, Ali Benabia, mm. uh, playing for Manchester City, City yeah. as well. Uh, uh, and the year after, Marcel Dosai came, Christophe Dugarry, Pascal Numa, uh, so many fantastic players. And you know what? Every day, every morning, we were dropping the kids at school and we were seeing each other at the golf course, mm -hmm. playing golf every morning, mm -hmm. then uh, napping in the afternoon, getting the kids to uh, for the homework at home and then going for a training session and playing Sunday against each other because we weren't playing the same team. Yeah, It was fun. Really, yeah. it was fun. And uh, I played the Champions League. I never thought that I would play in Syria, that I would go to Kuwait to play your game. Mm -hmm. It was exotic, but it was very interesting. And I, I discovered culture on top of it. Yeah. And uh, I, I discovered great people. I, I, I would never complain about my two years in Qatar. It was great for many, many things. And people would think, of course, money. But uh, culture-wise and, uh, let, let's say, socially-wise, it was was absolutely perfect. Okay. So you obviously finished your career there. So, And before we talk about what you did do after that, can we talk about what you <laughs> didn't do, which was to go into management? So why was that? Because two of yeah. your teammates have coached me personally. So why didn't you have the pleasure of coaching somebody like me? Why did you go a different uh, route? It would have been a pleasure because I know you would have listened to me. But, oh, 100%. Uh, <laughs> 100%. I don't know. I don't know. I um. Before, when I was young, before being a football player, I wanted to go for to acting. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be an actor. I never thought that it was a real business. I wasn't living in Paris, so I never thought I, I would have the opportunity to to embrace this new career. And I saw so many players uh, getting their hair their hair gray. A year or a year and a half after uh, coaching mm -hmm. uh, professional players, mm -hmm. well, I couldn't. Be, you couldn't <laughs> have seen on me, but uh, but I saw Marcus, I saw Didier Deschamps, I saw Laurent Blanc uh, being coaches after their career, and they and they and it's hard. It's a hard job, mm -hmm. and then you don't want to go back to the process of getting an exam. Of do I know football or, do, or, or don't I know football? I mean, that's something that bothers me in a way, uh, going into uh, some um, uh, campaign for like a month or two and for like a year, two, three years, learning the process of coaching, uh, psychologically, how you understand the players. Um, I didn't want to go through that. I wanted to go to something else. And I, and I think it, it wasn't, for me, it would have been an easy way to, uh, to carry on with my life. Uh, but I like challenges, and I say I have the, I have an opportunity because it's compulsory to to find something else to do, and I want to do something else. Mm -hmm. I want to work for uh, for as a consultant, as a talent uh, for uh, um, a TV channel, mm -hmm. and I want to do it in English, and uh, it's why I work for ESPN now, and I'm very pleased too. Mm -hmm. But I want to try to be an actor. And uh, let's see if I can do it. And it's why I went to LA. Okay. So you moved to LA then. And at this stage, you're 
even though you did some things while you were still playing, you're essentially brand new. So this vision that you have of going to LA to, to work as an actor, it actually sounds quite common. It seems like that's the feel of LA for lots of different people, except now you're coming from the world of football into that. So as that, whereas in the past, maybe you had advantages because you played football, did you find that you had, you were being stereotyped because that's what you did before? I have to say that I had the best time of my life because in LA, I was completely unknown. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew me. I, I pretended that I was a commercial when I signed for Lee Strasberg Institute, which is a, a branch of actor studio to learn the process of acting. Uh-huh. And when they asked me what I was doing, and I say I'm a commercial, and he, uh, it lasted like six months before an Italian recognized me. But um, I, I was, I was. Well, my, my father died. Uh, um, I got a divorce, and then I stopped my career. So I had a bad time in mm-hmm. my in my life. But it was refreshing to go to a place where nobody knew me and I had to start from scratch. Uh, of course, com- not completely from scratch because I had a little bit of money to support my, uh, my sadness mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and, to, and, 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 and to keep on working on what I wanted to do. But I, I, went, to, I went to some courses of uh, acting with young lad of 20 years old and I was there. I was the uh, oldest. Um, and I was listening to all of those guys, you know, full of uh, hopes and everything. And I was just trying to find my way to, a, to another world. And, and I started from scratch and going to L.A. with no advantages uh, was a plus for me. It was a real plus because I'm a competitor and I needed it to get back into another, a new life and another life. Mm. So what's been your biggest achievement today as an actor then? Uh, in terms of movie, you want to say, or plays? Just anything, anything, whatever you want to say, whatever you feel proudest about in terms of your acting career so far. Um, I, 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 I love movies, but I, it's, um, it's, it's boring. In fact, it's boring to shoot a movie. And uh, I play in some movies. I, sh- I, I play in a fantastic movie called uh, The Theory of Everything. Mm-hmm. But it's a biopic about uh, Stephen Hawking. And, Hawking and, and it's, uh, it's absolutely fantastic to be part of, it's, uh, of these, those kind of movies. And I, do, I did also another one, Allies in Derby, that I shot and I played a French resistance. But I'm not going too much into movies because I didn't find a real role where I can be invested. Uh, and therefore, I'm more in plays. Mm-hmm. I like to be on stage and... Uh, and I play more. I play more plays, and more performances in theaters that, than performances in a in a football uh, field, because I played more than one thousand times. Uh, uh, on I was more than one thousand times on stage. Okay. Uh, but the first time that I received a script, where you have one hundred and ten pages, and you have to learn, and I was the lead character of the play, I say. How come? Mm. I mean, I learned like two, one, two, three pages when I was a student at Lee Strasberg, but 110 pages, I got crazy. I went crazy. I said, what, what's, what's going to happen to my brain? Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's like a muscle. You work, you start one page and the, the day after two pages and the day after three pages. And now I can learn 10 pages in one day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that. Yes. It's crazy. But like, like for us, running, controlling the ball, if you start thinking how you control the ball and how you make a pass, you're going to mess it up. Yeah, for sure. But that, so you don't think about it. It has to become natural. Mm-hmm. And me, learning something and say, okay, mm, okay, I know it. 
Mm. It's crazy. And you, you trust your brain. Huh? For the first time, I can trust, as a football player, I can trust my brain. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's so cool. So if you, um, yeah. if you had to talk about your life then and everything you've done so far, which stage of your life would you introduce first? Would you talk about yourself as the player that's a World Cup winner or the person now that's an actor on, on stage? Uh, when people ask me what I do, I say I'm an actor, but uh, I would never deny what I did before. Um, I'm, I'm a football player and I will always be a football player. Yeah. Uh, it's a problem. In, it's, a, it's an issue in France where, you know, if you're a football player, you cannot be an actor. Mm-hmm. Canton and myself are being criticized because we are former football players. We mm-hmm. should have stayed there. Uh, which is less, which is not a problem in England or, 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 or in the US. Uh, but I'm a football player. I, I got everything from there. I got the discipline. I got the, I, I had the education coming from there because I was a football player and I had to share my time with uh, teammates. Mm-hmm. I understand that. And, and you know what? Directors, when I shoot movies, they say, Frank, you never complain. <laughs> I say, what do you want me to complain? You know, uh, I had coaches who asked me to go around the field and to to go ten times around the field and to run around the field. I I, I thought the guy was a was an, a nice person. I would I want I don't want to say bad mm-hmm. bad words, uh, but I had to do it because he asked me to do it. We do like it is in the army. We don't wonder. We just do. Yeah. And when he asked me to do ten times or fifty times the same scene. I get pissed, but inside I don't show it, yeah, and yeah. I do it because I'm paid for it. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't deny what I did before because it, it helps me a lot to believe in myself, to believe that I can do it, and um, and it helps me also. <laughs> that's the fun part because some people say you actor. How come you actor? I say I saw, I saw so many Italians, you know, falling uh, in front of me where I didn't touch them that yeah. I knew I knew the process of acting before <laughs> being an actor. <laughs> <laughs> right. So can we let's talk about you now and as the analyst. So obviously we do work together for yeah. ESPN. Does watching any games make you actually miss any part of being involved in football or is it just business now and you can just see it and talk about it and move on? I think I think I I'm still a player and I still you want to to be more specific on Okay. So on when you saying? watch when you watch games is there anything about yeah. watching the games that make you miss being a bigger part of that world? No, I think my I did my time, I, and I I I don't regret anything. I had my time. I played seventeen years, and what they do now, I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, just seeing them running um, makes me getting tired, you know. <laughs> and uh, and and I say, oh my god, I don't know. How I, I, I was able to do that for seventeen years? Really, uh, I like sports, and I still do sports. I'm going to do my bicycle after mm-hmm. we finish that. But really. Um, we did too much. Sports at a high level is not very good. It's not very healthy, I think. Um, and uh, but I I love what I do. I love analyzing an, an analyzing football because I think I have a leg a legit to do that. And I I come from another time of football, but I think we know how it works. We know what the players feel. Mm-hmm. It's why sometimes I I get uh, some arguments with the journalists because. I tell them, you don't know. You can reach a level where you can know something about football, but you don't know the last part. The mm-hmm. last part, you only know it because you were a football player, yeah. because you know 
in your core what it is at that time, what you feel at that time. Yes. And I think it's why ESPN, it's where ESPN are very clever um, hiring us because first we are fantastic, of course, you and I, of course. But on top of it, because because we feel football. Yeah. From Steve Nichols to Shaka Islop to yourself to Craig Burley to any of them, and just lately, lately Alessandro Del Piero uh, who, who joined us, we feel in our position what the player feels in the, at the same time, yeah. and we can. We try to translate, in fact, to the people who never been and didn't have the chance to be football players, what we feel, what we felt, and what we feel now. Mm, for sure, for sure. So, uh, since you're an analyst now and you're so experienced and you understand everything, everything, I need to ask you this question. Almost. There. So, um, from yeah. when you finished, the time came for uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. When you were playing, you had a Ronaldo, like the Ronaldo, the guy who, who everybody loves, essentially. But nowadays they talk about Haaland's and Mbappe's. So is an Mbappe somebody who's closer to a Thierry Henry or do people in France believe he's going to be the next Cristiano slash Lionel Messi? I don't think he's going to be technically as um, precise, I would say, um, as Lionel Messi. It can be a Ronaldo, even if I think Cristiano Ronaldo is more technical than uh, technique or technical mm -hmm. than uh, than Kylian. But definitely, it can be very close to Thierry Henry. Mm. Definitely, I, I I see the father, the father and the son mm -hmm. uh, when I see them because the way they can speed up, you know, accelerate in their movement, what they do with the ball. Yeah, of course, it makes me think of Thierry Henry. That's obvious. You yeah. know, like we see Messi, we see Maradona. Yeah. It's it's obvious for me. Yeah. You know, just for people listening, I need to make sure they understand that was not an insult to compare somebody oh. to Thierry Henry because Thierry Henry is one of my favorite strikers of all time. But Messi Ronaldo raised the bar to a level which nobody ever saw coming. You know, when you're scoring 50 goals a season for 15 years, that's that's not normal. It's literally not normal at all. That's not normal. I, I, I agree with you. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I don't know, maybe we're going we gonna to turn around. I wonder if Ronaldo and Messi would have played, uh, and let's see, Messi was Gianfranco Zola, mm. and uh, Ronaldo was uh, the Ronaldo uh, that we, we all know, the number nine. If, if, if Do you think they would score as much goal as they do now? I think for Brazilian Ronaldo with good health, yes, I think so. I think I think he does. I think he, for as much as he played with some great players and so on, and he played for some really good teams, like him in this era with, say, real quality in, in terms of tactics, design, ideas, and things like this, I think that would only make him better. And if you make Ronaldo better, you end up, as Ronaldo, if that makes sense, you know, confusing the two Ronaldos. And the same with like Zola no, no, as well. No, okay. Somebody so special. I don't know if he'd be as good as say Messi is in this moment because Messi, like, I, I know you, you played with Zola, you love Zola, but there's sometimes when Messi played at his absolute best where I'd never seen that before. It was more than the goals. It was some of the passes and even looking back to see that he played in a team that had a midfield of Xavi, Iniesta and Busquets 
and they were feeding him and mm. he was feeding Samuel Eto and whoever. That's that's outrageous. That's absolutely outrageous. Like Messi, like I'm. I, yeah, but now, go on. Now go the other way around. Do you think Messi and Ronaldo would have played ninety five? No. Would have scored as much goal as now. No, I think I think as crazy as this may be, I think Messi does better back then compared to Ronaldo because with Messi, I think he's actually quite tough. Whereas Ronaldo, I think he. Uh, I think in this era now he's he's fairly well protected. Where if somebody touches him, everyone's like, "Whoa, you can't, you shouldn't touch him, you shouldn't touch him." But back then, you're gonna get kicked, and you're gonna get kicked, and you're gonna get kicked. And for as good as you are, you have to earn the right to be great. And I don't know if that's necessarily his biggest yeah. strength. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I, I, I'm think, I'm thinking about if I had players like that in front of me, you know, how would I behave? Uh, and I know. Like I did in, to some young players, which is not very nice to say, but I came to some players and you know what? You're a fantastic player, but you're not going to ruin my day. Mm. So you got to go away from my area, you know, otherwise mm-hmm. you're going to be in danger mm-hmm. and uh, you're going to enjoy your afternoon and me too. And uh, <laughs> most of the time they were going away. <laughs> and I'm sure that uh, the Adams, the Martin Keon, uh, the Pallister, that all so many others that I knew in England were much tougher than me. I think they would have come to me as I was, I was, I would be a, a striker. I would have gone away from those people because mm-hmm. they were very dangerous yeah, players. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I need to know then your thoughts on the European Championships that are hope, hopefully happening this summer. Who would you say the favourites are in your opinion? I, I'm sure France can do something. Uh, we want to know, I want to know, you know, and it's, it's we're coming. We are going closer to uh, to the to the tournament. But I want to know how Mbappe is going to be, Kante is going to be, and some others. Uh, but uh, definitely, we have a we have a squad, and uh, and Didier Deschamps are really as a a choice of a king, as we say in France, mm-hmm. because he he has so many talented players. But don't forget, the Portugal can uh, can win another European Championship with the talented player that they have mm. at the back, but also in the middle of the park. I can name Ruben Diaz, of course, Bruno Fernandes, um, but uh, uh, Concelo uh, and, and so many others as well. And it's going to be uh, Silva and, and it's going to be a nightmare mm. uh, for the coach to decide who's going to play for that team. But I think England also has a chance to win. They have talented players. Are they experienced enough to win it? I'm not sure, but they have a chance. And you will have to count on the Italians, mm. on the Germans, uh, because Belgium. they're always there. And uh, Belgium, of course, Belgium. It may be, oh, yes, it may be the year of, well, for that generation, if they want to win something, it's like England in 2010. Mm. If they, if they want to win something, it, this, this season or maybe the World Cup after, yeah. after it's going to be too late. Okay. So do you think England have an advantage? Because I noticed the semifinals and the final are in England. Do you think they have a big advantage? And also with that, do you think that was a big thing in terms of how you guys won the World Cup in 98 or were you just the best team? Um, now, playing at home, it's always a plus and uh, you can't deny that. Uh, you, you feel home. Um, you know the stadiums and, uh, and you have the fans, most of the fans with you. It's definitely a plus. Um, England won the World Cup in '66 at home. Mm. We won in '98 at home. So uh, I, I, I really, I really think it's a plus for England. 
and it's a big chance. And um, but listen, Portugal lost against Greece at home. Uh, Brazil uh, Brazil lost against I think it was Uruguay a long long time ago at home, mm -hmm. and it was a disaster. So uh, it can go, it can go both sides, but uh, I, I would say that uh, for a young team. Uh, like England would be, uh, will be. Uh, it would be a plus. Mm. It would be a plus. They're gonna, they're gonna fly. Okay. So to go back to acting for a second, if we say that the career that you had as a player was one which was ultimately very successful because you have so many trophies and you have a World Cup win, yeah. In this world of acting that you have now, what would you say is a comparable success? What would you measure as being the same? Um. You cannot compare. You know, we had the chance to do a, to to be athletes and to be to to, uh, to go to every game we play to a, a big level of uncertainty. Mm. You don't know anything. Every time you go on the field, you don't know anything. You feel good, you have a poor game. You feel bad, you feel tired, you have a good game. Uh, uh, you play against. Uh, a, a small team, so-called small team, and you are smashed. You don't know. You don't have answers. Mm -hmm. You have. You try to get something from there. It's what we call the experience. Uh, but you leave something special every game you play. And the intensity, the demand of what you need to win a game and every game you play uh, brings you to the end of your career because you're fed up. Mm -hmm. Because you're, you're fed up of uh, the pressure that you can get uh, that everything that you do uh, is um, is tiring, and and the fact that uh, people they expect too many things from you, so you can end up it at a certain point. You fed up. When you an actor, winning an Oscar, winning a Cesar, uh, I don't know a BAFTA, whatever it is, it's nice, but you cannot compare. You just you know the beginning of the story, you know the end of the story. Mm. You try to know why you can you can do. Uh, meanwhile, um, if you are an actor and you play in a movie, if you have a good scenario, you have a good di director, and you have a good editor, you can be a great actor okay. because you're going to shoot it. You're going to do it fifty times. If your scene is not good, they're going to do it, and if you become bad, they're going to cut you off, and they're and they're going to show your back. When you are in stage. Is also scary. Mm -hmm. I love being on stage because you have the people and you're going to serve them. You have to serve them for an hour and a half, but you cannot compare with sports. Mm -hmm. For sure. I, I, I get that. I get that. So for most people on the show at this stage, I'll ask them what their goals are for the rest of their careers. But for somebody like you, what are the goals for the rest of your life? What do you want to achieve between now and, uh, and, the, and the end, basically? N nothing, nothing much. Just be happy. See my grandson uh, uh, um, growing up, uh, being happy with my my wife. Um, and I think there is a time to learn, there is a time to work hard, and there is a time to appreciate. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm going through the third phase at 53, where I want to appreciate. I would never be in front of you if uh, I didn't want to. Yeah. I wouldn't work for ESPN if I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. um, I love, I still love football. It's why I can, I, I can handle two, three games a day. Uh, and, uh, and that's it. I just want to be happy for the rest of my life. Um, I was very fortunate to, 
earn good money to to support everything I want to do. Uh, I try to stay healthy, and I, I I just want I just want people to be happy around me, and that's why I like to to give. Uh, and but by myself, I just want to grow old and avoid illness and just be happy and uh, enjoy you know talking to good people <laughs> that's, that's the perfect answer so i've got one final question for you and then i've got a special surprise for you okay so the final question is of all the players that you played with in your career could you make a five-a-side team that you think is the best possible who would you put who would you put in that team okay uh, uh i don't have to include myself you, listen if you want to be arrogant enough to say that you're the best player for a five-a-side team then that's on you but most people don't do that <laughs> okay Okay, okay. Uh, I will play with five aside games, so we have to put a goalkeeper as well. Yeah, yeah, that's so, right. Uh, um, <laughs> I will, I will put. Um, uh, I'm looking for the his name, uh, the German goalkeeper before Neuer at Bayern. Oliver Munich. Kahn. Oliver Kahn. I will put Oliver Kahn in goal. I will put Moss. And Bishan uh, Telizarasu at the back. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a five aside. So it's is that six players or five aside? No, six just five. Just five. five players. Just five. Just five. So, so uh, yeah. And I put uh, Zidane and Zola at front. <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh, that team. That team is. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's got. I, I have a crazy guy. I have a crazy guy in goals. I've got two rocks. Two warriors at the back and two artists up front not too bad that's not too bad at all so to finish now let me give you your treat okay <clears throat> I've, I've had okay, to practice this you. okay so you make sure you listen carefully okay <clears throat> I do I will Frank Leboeuf merci beaucoup pour ton temps monsieur champion du monde c'était un plaisir de parler avec toi how's that yeah <laughs> you made only one mistake oh what was it you say un plaisir, which is un plaisir, which is masculine. masculine. Uh, but that, that's otherwise that's perfect. Right. That's, that was really perfect. Even even I understand I understood every word you said. So it's great for uh, an English guy. Come on, speak that's French. Wow, well, you, you call me English. You know, I was born in Nigeria, raised in England. You know, I speak a bit of French, yeah, a bit I of know, Spanish. Know. You know, I like to I like to speak speak all the languages. Get my point across. Uh, by the way, do you have any news about Celestine Babayaro? No news. No news. Why do you know something? No news. Oh. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I, it's somebody that I liked. I, you know, I, I played with Stefan Keshi as well when mm. I was playing for Strasbourg, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and I know he passed away, and I, 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 I was so, so sad when I, I was told, and um, I, I, I was friends with two Nigerian, and you, you're the third now, but uh, uh, Stefan was the first one, and Celestine is the second one, we, and we share time so playing each, uh, together for Chelsea. So I, ju- I was just wondering, you know, and uh, he was trying to speak French. He was really bad. Yeah, but you know, I, I'm I'm that new. I'm the new version of Nigeria where we can't speak other languages. But yeah, good, good. I'm happy. But thank you very much, Frank. Thank you very much. Have a great Nidem. evening, and I shall see you on Sunday. Yes, for sure, for sure. Take yes. care. Take care, Nidem. Bye bye. So there you have it, Frank LeBeouf. I reckon you don't know many players who've taken the path he's currently on, do you? Or maybe I'm wrong, and you do. But either way, be sure to let me know. Kickback underscore Nadim is the social media handle, and I will be waiting. 
I hope he can find great success in his acting career like he did in his playing days. And for those curious to see which films he's already been in, be sure to search his name in IMDb. And so anyway, a big thank you to Frank for sharing his story with us all. A bigger thank you to the King of Utah, producer Ryan Hale. And finally, thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already and check out some of our older episodes just in case one kickback a week isn't enough for you. Bye for now. <laughs>